0: Every day, 34 people in their 20s and 30s are diagnosed with cancer.
1: On the 7th of July 2015, I was one of the 34.
0: On the 28th of August 2008, I was one of the 34.
1: But what about when you're in your teens?
0: Because teenagers get diagnosed too.
1: These are the stories of what happens afterwards.
0: This is Afterthoughts.
1: The Teenagers. Hello, Alice May Perkis. Hello, Toby Eugene Peach.
0: Not my, not my middle name, but thank you so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's your Afterthoughts
0: middle name, isn't it? It's my Afterthoughts middle name. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, really well, thanks. How are you? I, I'm feeling actually like really perked up, I think, by the coffee I've been drinking this morning, but also by um, our guest, by Teagan's energy and just like joy that uh, she has brought uh, to the storytelling today
1: you know people say you know people use the term that person had an infectious energy i'm usually like yeah, whatever. Uh, but no, Tegan really did have an infectious energy and infectious in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, I'm one of those people. I catch people's feelings a lot, but I usually catch people's negative feelings. Um, and I really caught Tegan's infectious joy. Um, and I feel really pumped up for the rest of my day. But
0: and, and I think there's something in that, because I think like before we recorded, you and I, like we, we came on and it's like Monday morning and it was like, oh, OK, can we get this? And you're right. Infectious is the word because yes. I feel so like, can, can we have a dose of Tegan every morning?
1: Oh, my God. Let's just get her in for like 15 minutes every Monday. I feel like it's such a good way to start the week. Yeah. And I hope I can just roll on through the rest of my week with this energy and like what a great bunch of stories that she brought to the table as well
0: yeah i really hope that the listeners catch it as well they catch that uh, and should we, so should we let should we let them hear the story should we give them the infection should we give them a tegan
1: <laughs> i think it's really interesting that we're talking about giving people an infection when everybody's spent the last 18 months Trying to avoid, trying to avoid getting an infection. But this is the sort of infection that you want. So um, get it in your ears. Let's get a bit of Tegan for everybody. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Afterthoughts. Yes. Hello
0: and welcome to Tegan, who is joining us today. Hi, Tegan.
1: Hi. Tegan just did an amazing peace sign for everyone. Um, Tegan, I am loving your wallpaper, by the way. I absolutely adore
2: pineapples. Like, there's so many. There's about like five dotted
1: around my room. Is there? I love that. Um, Yeah, there's pineapple wallpaper behind Tegan. For those of you who can't see it, because we are on a podcast, um, and it's just majestic. I'm such a big fan.
0: Why? Why pineapples, Tegan? What's your where? Where did that start? Like, why do you love pineapples?
2: Honestly, I really don't know. My stepmom, she's got loads throughout the house, and I'm just like, they're kind of cute. They taste nice, like, <laughs> what I like. So true. So you like the taste as well as the way they look? Yeah, like they just look cool. Then in like olden English, they were like used for like royalty symbols, you know?
0: Oh. Oh, that's a fun
1: fact i did
0: not know that i just see see because you said they're quite cute i like i see them as quite spiky aren't they like
2: i don't know but sorry guys for whoever like there's no visual but look at my hair okay, i have quite a big bun on my head so it just reminds <laughs> me i can identify with a pineapple
1: <laughs> sweet but spiky is that what you're saying
2: <laughs> On the inside, lovely. On the outside, please don't play with me. <laughs> I
0: love that. No messing on the outside. That's fab. What yeah. came first? The pineapple or the haircut? Like what like what what came like your love for pineapples or the hairstyle? What came first?
2: The hairstyle definitely came first, but I feel like the love for pineapples runs deep. Like I didn't know it was there and then I discovered it. Like, that's a hole.
0: Do you eat pineapple juice? Is that...
2: I what have a question!
1: To,
2: I, I'm really disappointed in Tesco's at the moment because every time I go, they don't have any. Like, oh. it's upsetting. That
1: is and upsetting.
2: Everyone, I might have to be a Karen and
1: write to head office and complain. <laughs> might have to be a Karen. Fantastic. One of my favourite cakes to make is a pineapple upside down cake. Very retro, but very delicious. I've never had one. Tegan, oh, you don't know what you're missing.
2: I know i might have to whip out the recipe book later
1: oh it's so easy as well and like i say very retro very 70s because you got some glass air cherries in there as well cracking
0: but tegan thank you so much for coming on Afterthoughts. thoughts and uh, we always start our um, episodes uh, as to we do a quick fire round quick fire questions uh, and that's to get to know uh because we, we want to hear about the human before we dive into your stories about uh, the cancer so like we, we want to hear about you and so we want to uh, throw some quick fire questions at you if that's okay
2: yeah let's go
1: So, Tegan, can you tell us what pronouns you use?
0: She, her. Tegan, who do people say that you look like? I don't know, I'm just cute. (laughs) That is so... Sorry, guys.
2: I think I am, though. I tell myself this to get through life. I don't think I'm particularly like
1: anyone.
0: You're unique. Maybe that's it.
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: Love it. Um, would you rather live by the sea or by the mountains? Fun fact: I used to live by the seaside. Whereabouts? M- Mablethorpe. <gasps> oh.
2: So, amazing. I feel like as much as I would want to go mountains, uh, these are supposed to be quick fire. I've already done the seaside, but do I want to like ski? Because that's a bit dangerous. So, seaside.
0: Oh, nice. Would you rather time travel forwards or backwards?
2: Ooh, backwards, Tudor, England. I don't think I'd sue, and they definitely wouldn't like me, but I'd try and have a good time.
1: (laughs) What's your favourite part of a roast dinner? (gasps) Oh, no! I made a roast dinner yesterday, and it was phenomenal.
2: Um, Homemade Yorkshire puddings, but if they're not homemade, then I don't want them.
0: Nice. nice. Lovely. Um, who is your celebrity fascination? Not crush, fascination. Like
2: Who fascinates me? Oh, there's too many here. <laughs> um, maybe, like, Tyler, the creator. Oh, nice. nice. He seems like... There's just something about him. I'm like, that guy's cool.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Um, and... What superpower would you choose to have?
2: This is going to be so soppy, but like healing. And I'm not even a soppy person, but some people just need healing from things that
1: they don't talk about and I get it.
0: Tegan, that is a power. I've never heard that answer before. That is a power and a heart. Such
1: a good answer, man. Such a good
0: answer. Um, what's I... your go-to karaoke song?
2: Oh. Uh loyal by chris brown
1: and tiger would you rather be a hawk or a hedgehog
2: oh i feel like this is like one of them personality ones now where you're going to tell me what personality i have at the end (laughs) um hedgehog because they're cute and they're spiky and i love pineapples
1: i mean it's not that far from pineapple to hedgehog is it so yeah makes sense
0: and Tegan could you give us a one-liner to tell us uh, the age that you were diagnosed and what your diagnosis was please
2: so I was diagnosed dramatic but you've already gathered that I am the day before my 19th birthday so I was 18 and I had non Hodgkin's lymphoma
1: As ever on Afterthoughts, we like to start with beyond a diagnosis because for many of us who have been through cancer, our diagnosis story becomes so rehearsed, it's like a script. So in this section, we like to explore the stories that come after that diagnosis. So Tegan, I'm going to hand over to you to tell us a story of beyond your diagnosis. Thanks. So when
2: I when I first was ill, I was in London because I'd decided that's where I wanted to go for uni, and one of the girls that I was really good friends with from college was in uni at Coventry at the time, and because it's quite close to each other, we used to meet up quite a lot, which was really really great. And she knew that I was ill, but she didn't know what was wrong with me, and we'd only been friends for like two years, but we'd like. Being really really good friends like we used to go to each other's houses cook for each other like very chill just great friend and then I remember I used to go to a house all the time and there was this one time that I was particularly ill and she was just like yeah you need to get checked out but it was just before our birthdays so our birthdays are are at the start of December and it was great because it was like we can do something close to celebrate. But she was going to New York at the time and I was super excited. And she was going to New York with uni. And the time that it fell, it fell when I was in hospital and I knew that she was away and she was so excited about this trip. We'd been talking about it the whole time. And she was FaceTiming me like 50 times in like three days and every single one I refused to answer because I was laid up in a hospital bed. In my mind, I was like, I don't want to ruin this trip for her. If she finds out that I'm in a hospital bed, there's going to be a lot of questions. I don't even know the answer to most of the questions that she's going to be asking. And I know that she's going to be mad, but I feel like I can deal with her being angry at that more than I can feel like I can deal with ruining her trip. Like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like she hasn't even been to America since. This was before we knew what COVID was. And then afterwards, when I knew she was back, I called her up and I was like, I'm really sorry from the bottom of my heart. Like, I couldn't answer because I've got cancer. And I always found it quite difficult telling people because you don't know how people are going to react. And this is one of the worst reactions I got. She was like, you're lying. This is some sort of sick joke. Why would you tell me that? She was like, I can't talk to you right now and hung up the phone. And then five days later, she came back to me. She called me. She was like, I'm really, really sorry about the way I reacted. Like, are you okay? Like, please talk to me. Like, I need to come and see you. Because then at this point, I wasn't in London anymore. I was in Leeds um and she just came and sat in the hospital with me she's quite a big personality so it was like quite nice to have someone that's like because I had sound quite a big personality as well it was nice to have someone that wouldn't mind like laughing really really loud or would say something a little bit stupid but like it was like an inside joke between us and like that was my friend from outside the ward that I felt comfortable bringing to the ward and I feel like not a lot of your friends you feel you can do that like but I feel at that moment it was a very humbling experience I can say looking back but every person that I told after that I chose to do it in a way where I didn't have to be like near them or with them or I got other people to do it so it was like uh, they can deal and process with their reactions in a way where I can escape like and I think that's something that's actually really difficult to like tell people like I delayed telling my mum for like a good three days And that's like your mum. And it was nothing to do with how she is or how like she was or anything like that. It's just how I perceived telling people to be.
0: On afterthoughts, we're going to dive into the those around us section. And this is an opportunity to hear a story about something or someone who might have gone through that experience with us. So Tegan, over to you.
2: So my I don't I don't know if I should call her a special person, but my stepmom, which is kind of strange because I feel like stepmoms are a bit, they're a very, you gotta tiptoe around the topic um But for my stepmom, I call her the wicked stepmom. Now I feel like everyone's wondering, good, bad. And it all started with um a birthday card that I once got that said wicked stepmom on it. And sometimes if she's annoying me, I'm like, you're such a wicked stepmom. And then when she's been all nice and we're, we're getting along, it's also like, you're a wicked stepmom. um So yeah, she's just great. And then like, one of the things where she was wicked in a different sense from me to anyone else that was looking in is I used to have to um get stabbed every night so I used to have to take blood thinning medication and I could never do it myself like I'm not scared of needles well I'm not scared of needles but I'm very weary and could never do it myself and I was like you're gonna have to be my nurse here you're gonna have to do it for me and she was like she'd get really excited about it she'd be like yeah time to stab you so we'd be eating dinner and it'd be like getting to the time where we do it because we do it in an evening and she'd be like right get upstairs I need to stab you now or we'd be out at dinner or we'd just be out at an event or something and she'd be like right come on we need to go home now it's time to stab you and if anyone looks in on that conversation it is so crazy but we just joke about it because it is funny so we'd get upstairs go to my room I'd put the tv on eight out of ten cats does countdown a classic and I'd lay there and she'd be like right you ready and be like yeah and then she'd get so so close and I'd be like no I'm not ready and then I'd like fap around for another five minutes and then we'd repeat this process a good two to three times and it was just like every single time she'd be like right at this point you're annoying me now so I'm just going to grab bit your skin and stab you and it's just like so aggressive and so unnecessary but she's so gentle at the same time like so sweet and it like she'd just come and sit on the end of my bed and be really really patient with me when I'm being hella dramatic and now we kind of have the relationship where I'll hear her going upstairs and I'll be like Tess come I've got something to tell you and she'll just come in and sit on the end of my bed and listen to my day and listen to me gossiping about my friends or I'll be walking upstairs and like her bedroom's next to mine and I'll be like Tess I've got something to tell you and I'll just go and sit and just perch on the end of her bed and we'll sit and gossip it's great we have such a good relationship and like she's a wicked but in the best way possible
0: Oh, Tegan, that's such a great story. What a wicked stepmom. I know. I, I just... like so wholesome. Sometimes it is um it's a shame that we're on mute because I have just been laughing throughout that whole world of just the, just the idea of your stepmom coming up to you and just saying that she wants wants to stab you.
2: <laughs> honestly because if can you imagine if you was walking past me in the street she's like come on you need to go home. it's time to stab you people are like what is going in this household
0: yeah like and and it would as you're saying because like sometimes the connotations of like the wicked stepmom and things it would be like and you'd be like oh don't worry like uh, she's she's my stepmom and stuff like that. I'd be like, oh no, no no!
2: Yeah, even worse. Like, why is your stepmom stabbing you? Yeah. Like, what have you, what have you done wrong in life? Like, all right, Cinderella.
1: Now, on Afterthoughts, we want to dive into some of the invisible impacts of a cancer diagnosis. There's lots of visible impacts that we talk about a lot. And in this section, we want to uncover some of the things that are less obvious. So, over to Tegan.
2: When I was diagnosed, I was so it was the day before my 18th birthday. And then, obviously, like when you have cancer, you've got to sign a waiver, which I feel like everyone that's had cancer knows that you have to sign it but signing it drugged up to me is very pointless because I don't have a clue what I'm signing like yes to everything give me it all all the drugs um so I remember signing it and it's like oh like if you can't have kids then basically it's not our problem and it's like right okay my mum cried about it and I was like I'm 19 years old why are you crying like get a grip like it's not that deep then I went to FISOC I think I went two years later and there was a talk and in that talk there was a girl who had two children she had one before she was diagnosed and then she was pregnant on the day that she was diagnosed with the second me and one of the nurses that I was with who like made me go to the talk because she was like nah like we'll go we'll go together we were in there crying our eyes out like hyperventilating crying like it was bad And it was just like, that touched me differently. And like this, like the girl, like I could identify with her. Like she looked very similar to me. And I was like, this is actually very deep. So then when I got back, I asked my consultant to refer me. And then two hours down the line, I was getting my eggs out. Like literally that, that far down the line. So yeah, that was a whole journey. And that's also going in the back of your head, like the whole time. And... In September, I was two years post-treatment. So therefore, I don't have anything to do with the hospital. But yeah, I'm still going to the hospital three times a week to get something different done that's still connected to it. And it's just a bit crazy how even in the cancer world, two years post-treatment, you're kind of done. But I really wasn't done. That's like, yeah. And then I had my eggs out and it was fine. They could have been doing anything. They knocked me out. Didn't feel a thing. Felt great after would recommend <laughs> would recommend <laughs> i should have said like 10 out of 10 because i thought <laughs> the nurse was a bit rude
0: you're not giving them like a review on like yeah <laughs> trip <laughs> advisor 10 out 10 of 10 this. would recommend do
2: you know what it is right i went into the room when i described it to other people i'm like i went into this room yeah and it was like a clinical sex dungeon in the nicest possible way there's like a weird small bed on there and then they've got like st- stirrups but they're like black and like leather like they could have picked like pink and fluffy like do you know what I mean like to make it a bit more inviting or like even blue like clinical blue but it's just the black it's a bit stark what's we there were two men there that were looking like they should have been like henchmen but they weren't And it was just like a whole, like, they serve your eggs through, like, you know, one of them boxes, like, when you had school dinners and you used to, like, retrieve, it's like that. And I was like, I literally said to them, this is crazy. Like, this is wild. I always try and spin stuff in a positive way. Or, like, I always try and, like, take the positives out of the experience. So I feel like with the egg retrieval, like, I was down bad at one point, like best believe I was questioning, like, I was like, is this even worth it? Like I feel awful and hormonal and my face is all spotty and this isn't a good look and whatever. But actually at the end of it, I was like, really? Was it that bad? No. So now like throughout the journey, even when I was down bad, I've still got to look at the positives within the experience. So like, okay some of the sisters I found were a bit rude and they don't understand me and I feel like that's because I'm not their demographic but there was like three nurses that were top tier like they were just like it's okay like you can be emotional and I was like I'm sorry it's just a lot's going on and they're like it's okay and I'm like you're so understanding and it was just like it was just great
0: Time now for Teenage Kicks. This is an opportunity for us to hear a story about something that a young person who's had cancer will have experienced that a teenager who hasn't might not have done, and just to hear the differences. So over to you, Tegan, for Teenage Kicks.
2: I feel like I did have a midlife crisis at 19, and I think the way it differs from someone that hasn't had cancer is, like cancer makes everything shrink to like everything that you value in life shrinks to nothing because the cancer takes over your life and the only thing you think about when you have cancer is getting better or well, that's the only thing that I thought about so like it started when I finished chemo and like I felt like I was ready to like finish like full stop all my friends that were on the ward, They'd already been like, yeah, you know what? You've done chemo. You've smashed it. Like, go live your best life. And then I sat in that meeting and she was like, no, you've not finished. You can't live your best life. And I was like, fuming. And then they was like, right, you're going to have to have radiotherapy. But the way you're given radiotherapy after chemo is you've got to wait like two months to like find out that you, you even have to have it. So then I was like, right like I was like a like wrecking ball at this point I was like nope not happy I'm gonna be angry at everyone and then really and truly I was angry for about half an hour and then I was like do you know what it's part of life like people are in worse situations for me I'll get over it but like the like the angriness had like simmered down so it was still there so like I kind of went into everything with a like not a mood but like an underlying mood so like when I went into radiotherapy like to get my mask fit I was like what is this why am I getting a mask not necessary but do you know what very good experience 10 out of 10 would recommend getting a mask fitted it's like spa day at the hospital treat so um that happened was great then lobka shout out to lobka greatest we love um she painted my mask and guess what's on it pineapples so yeah and then I felt like a celeb like because you go into like a different room every time and there was I was like oh so you're the girl with the panel mask and I'm like yes I am um so yeah and then it was like radiotherapy was like five minutes of peace every day like I would literally have to roll out of bed and roll down the stairs and roll to the hospital it was like I laid in the clipped to the board very hard they could at least put a bit of cushioning in that um and you just lay down and it would just be like a bit of like peace for like five minutes nothing like I I genuinely feel like I didn't feel anything when I was in that room for five minutes so then like it it got okay like I got to be going through it then after you finish radiotherapy you have to then wait like for three months to get your results and that three months most daunting time of your life and I felt like for me it was very much sink or swim um so I decided you know what I, if it's bad news I'm at least I'm gonna had a good three months where I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm gonna do good things so I went to Amsterdam for like 24 hours to a festival I went to Greece for a week with my stepmom where I literally just passed in the sun for a whole week and it was great and this is now out there in public so I'm probably gonna get shouted at by a nurse or something I wore a t-shirt I promise um And it was just, like, I just, like, lived for every single day. But in the back of my mind, I was, like, reality, like, so I had to leave uni early, but what what do I actually want to do with the rest of my life? Like, I can live this three months not knowing what the result is going to be, but really and truly, if it's, like, actually, you're okay, we don't need to see you anymore, now I need to be a bit serious and, like, decide what I'm actually going to do with my life. So... What I liked, what I wanted to do, how I perceived my future was very much non-existent. For us, like, it's a short space of time now I think about it, but in that time that you're in, it lasts as long as you allow it to last. So you could, that could last for two years or it could last for two weeks. And mine... I like to think that I'm a person that gets over things very quickly like like th- that I find upsetting but this was something that just like simmered inside of me for a very long time and I just wanted to like make people proud but also myself proud and I think that also consumed me quite a lot because I was doing already doing something that was very much like not, not the average person does that so then to like ponder on things that didn't matter as much in the moment but actually mattered to me in the future was very hard to like grasp at the same time as trying to get better and like finding the balance is also very difficult because you don't want to be too optimistic and look too far ahead but at the same time if you don't have that optimism and if you don't look ahead then you actually do allow the cancer to fully consume you as opposed to leaving like that little speckle of dust of yourself behind kind of thing.
1: There's no doubt that we are talking a lot more about cancer than we used to but there are still some things that we aren't talking about as much as we should. So in this section we are aiming to shine a light on some of the lost conversations.
2: I feel like my lost conversation is to do with post-treatment care. Once you leave the hospital, once I left the hospital, It was very much, there was a comfort blanket and now like the hospital doesn't need me anymore and I don't need to be there. So I felt like me being there was like a burden. So now I'm just at home, like sat in my room, don't really, like I know people, but we're all at different stages in treatment and they come off treatment. So they're actually getting on with their lives now, whereas I'm really not. And it was just like, a safe like I just felt like I needed a safe space where I wasn't fully removed from the hospital but I wasn't fully put back into like the real world and I feel like what I wanted to do when I saw the gap was like make it a bit better for everyone so I saw that you've the youth advisory group there was one and then they last for two years so they was recruiting for a new one and i was like i feel like i'm quite an outspoken person do like to do a little little bit of chit-chatting so i was like maybe i could get involved and like see what it's like and just like put in my experience i also feel like not everybody's cancer experience is positive but i feel like not everyone takes the positives out of their experience whereas i try and take the most positive out of my experience so I feel like if you're diagnosed with cancer, it can be very scary. And I wanted people to know that, like, it, it's not all bad. and There's some good things along the way. And I feel like youth advisory group was initially a way of me doing that. So I applied, got through. And then in our first meeting, it was very much like they set the tone and was like, whatever you want to do in this group will give you opportunities, but you can do that. And they invite us to different things to get involved in. And one of the main things as a collective from the youth advisory group is post-treatment care. Post-treatment care is very much something that you don't know you need until you don't have it. And it helps you get through a really uneasy stage of your life where you don't like you've jumped off the cliff, but you don't know if you're going to like sink or swim at this point like you don't know if you're going to fall into water or if you're going to fall into hard ground and you just need a little parachute to like catch you and like they're currently patching the pieces of the parachute together and it'll be really exciting when it comes out and like life can be sunshine and roses like it can be okay after and you can do whatever you want after you've just got to believe in yourself and I think with the tools that the Teenage Cancer Trust are creating to help young people do that it'll push the people that have had cancer in the best possible direction, but the best possible direction for them as a person and as an individual. And I think that's very, very important. And meeting people on YAG, like, not you all think the same, but, like, you think very similarly and you can have a conversation. And sometimes you can have a conversation that's very much not cancer-led, but sometimes you can have a conversation that is cancer-led. And, like still being a part of like your friends don't fully understand what you're going through like they know and you can tell them that you're tired and you don't want to do much but someone that's actually had cancer does know and it's that the contrast of I don't feel like I can be at the hospital because I'm a burden but I don't feel like I fit back into real life because no one understands what I'm going through and it's just that little there's like a thin line between it and I feel like that's where we need a little bit of help (music)
0: last up on afterthoughts we have the don't laugh section which although we have been uh, having little moments of giggles all the way through today's episode uh, we do have a section which really focuses on the fact that sometimes there are funny stories that happen with a cancer diagnosis and it's really important to highlight those as much as it is to highlight the the heavier stories as well so tegan let's go over to you for a don't laugh story
2: so when I was in hospital, so my brothers are like a little bit older than me. So one's like fourteen months older, and I say months because although he's a year and a little bit, like months sounds like it's less. Um, and then my other was like five years older, and my mum was there, and my mum is not my brother's mum, and this is like one of the very first times that they met. So I was a bit like, oh, this is a bit weird. Um, and then they brought like we call them our cousins because they basically are our cousins so there's my mum there's me laying on the bed and then there's my two brothers and then my two male cousins and when you've got a bed that goes up and down and a wheelchair in the room (laughs) and there's a lot of space to maneuver I'm sure you can imagine what is going on and it was just a disaster waiting to happen also time context this was happening at like maybe 11 p.m 12 p.m so when everyone should be sleeping, there's the nurse night team on. So there's only two of them in, bless them. And I was, this must have been one of the first days that I came up to Leeds. So I hadn't started chemo or anything yet. So there's me. So my brother's come in and he brings pineapple. Oh, recurring theme. We love pineapples. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he gives me a bit of it. And I've not really been eating too much. So he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, can I just have some of that? So yeah, and it's stayed in the back of my throat, like it's clogged up my throat. And I know it's there and I've gone to my mum, it's there and she's like, right, okay. So she's got like the cardboard disposable bowls on tap, but it's just staying there. So my brother has got the, the bed and he's whizzing it all the way up and then all the way back down again oh. to see how fast he can do it. Oh. And there's just a chunk of pineapple like in the back of my throat. And I'm thinking this is all fun and games until something happens and then there's my cousin who's on the wheelchair who's doing wheelies and spinning <laughs> it round so I'm risen up and down as fast as I can in the bed there's someone else on the other side of the room doing wheelies my mum sat there like what what is this because this is the first time she's basically met anyone and then there's the the girls that knocked on the door to do my obs and at this point everyone freezes we're all like it's not us and she just walks in and she's like really slim, petite, petite girl, quite like quite young. She comes in and she's it's just like we've played musical statues. Everyone's frozen. <laughs> no moving. And I'm just like, hi, we're not being too loud, are we? And she's like, I can hear you from outside the door. And she was like, but you're having fun. So I'm just going to like allow you to do it. Anyway, she's done my orb, She's gone back out. This pineapple is still stuck in my throat somewhere and she's left. So we've all burst out into giggles and my brother's gone back to like up and down, up and down, up and down. And then I've gone to my mum and I'm like, I need the ball," And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So she passes me it and I just, I'm sick. But it's not even I'm sick. I'm just, the, the chunk of pineapple comes back up. <gasps> my, my brother just looks at me like, he knows, he knows that it's his fault. And he just looks at me and he's like, I'm so sorry and i'm like it's fine and um because my mom was like what, what like what do i do now like she's been sick it's my fault what happens here there's still someone doing wheelies on a wheelchair <laughs> just whizzing around and then and the actual nurse comes in and everyone's like she's been sick i'm like i've just thrown up a chunk of pineapple like guys it's not that deep like if you wanted to see sick you should have been here two hours ago no. She's like, so lovely. She's like, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm starving, hungry. And she's like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, can I just have some toast, please? <laughs> anyway, she brings me two slices of toast. I don't think I've ever eaten anything as quick. So at this rate, I'm going to be sick again because I've just powered this down. She comes back in. She's like, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm still hungry. Can I have some more? Like, I'm all of a twist or something. She's like, <laughs> Bearing in mind, she's a nurse and her job is definitely not to be my personal chef. And I feel like personal chef is slightly taking it a bit far when we say making toast. But I do know that there's some people on this earth that can't make toast. So we're going to take personal chef. And she came back and I'm like, thanks. And my brothers are like, I think it's maybe time for us to leave now. And they're just like, it was great seeing you. We'll be back soon. And I'm probably sure as they left, the nurse was like, please don't come back anytime. First of all, you've made an absolute racket. Oh,
1: my God. I can just imagine the chaos and I can just see, like... Yeah, I can just see the scene and I can see the wheelchair and the bed going up and down and the pineapple vomit. I can just see it all. I'm yeah. sat here with my eyes closed and I can picture it so vividly. Um,
2: and my poor mom, mum's my just saying in the corner like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, I'm here to look after my daughter. Like, oh hopefully. my God. <laughs>
0: I, and I love I love that moment and and actually Alice and I kind of did it as well of when when the when the small petite nurse walks in and like and everybody's like frozen still and it was just like it was this moment <laughs> where we were also kind of like oh, that's like, really you know. funny oh Tegan that's it's what a great story to to end on and like there have been so many fantastic stories so like I know you, you mentioned this in Lost conversations about wanting to like share share your story and share share parts of it to like to pass on in a way. So thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah, it's thank you so you. much for joining us. It's been a, it's been such such a great way to spend a couple of hours.
0: No,
2: thank you for having me. And obviously, like your platform is a great a great way to like let people talk. And sometimes you got to be deep, dig deep get all that stuff out but sometimes you just gotta be a bit positive and like let people know it's okay and everything and you two you two are doing a great job so thanks for oh, me. Yeah.
0: what did we say what did we say about the infection that is the tegan oh
1: god we, no we can't talk about it like that that sounds awful it's, but it's,
0: no but in a joy. real we, we can absolute joy and like i, I here's I, joy I, do feel like it was it was what what we needed i hope everybody else has felt that as well because you're right the stories were like were fantastic and it was the energy that came with it as well just like feeling
1: like and also i don't think i have ever met anyone who got up at half past six no sorry that got to bed at half past six in the morning and it was still that lively, like, I mean, maybe it's because I'm 33, but if I'd gone to bed at half past six and got up at 11, I don't think I would have had that much energy. No,
0: no, no, no,
1: no. no. I think I'd have been like clawing my way through the morning.
0: That's right. That is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, uh, yeah. What what a time. What a time. Okay. So should we, should we go into it straight away? Okay. Yeah, What's, if you want. Well, I'd love to know what your afterthoughts have been on today's episode.
1: I mean, aside from the fact that Tegan was a delight, yes. um, and maybe maybe it's because she was an alternate, eh? Maybe that's why she was a delight. Um, I absolutely loved Tegan chatting to us about her stepmum. And I think she's right, you know, stepmums get a really bad rap. They, they have such a bad reputation. But actually, step-parents can be brilliant. And I, I vividly remember having to have my injections. So I had to have, um, I had to do um, egg retrieval as well and fertility stuff. But I had to have GCSF injections, which were to increase my um, white blood cells. So I had to have them, um, I think, for 10 days after chemo. Um and doing doing it was bloody miserable. I hated doing it. And I just really loved hearing um Tegan talk about the like the little like kind of routine that she built up with her stepmom and the kind of uh, it's just really really yeah the stabbing routine um and just <laughs> it kind of was really nice to hear that they had created this this thing together and added a bit of humor to it and just made the whole thing a little bit less miserable because it was it was miserable stabbing myself with gcsf injections every night for a week or 10 days or whatever it was was miserable um, and it isn't a nice thing to have to do and they just made it so much less shit basically by doing it together and um yeah like tegan said if she'd had to do it herself it probably wouldn't have got done and i think that you know it's really really nice to hear that um they've got that unique relationship (laughs) i just loved what she was saying about the wicked stepmom um you know she can be wicked with it's a double entendre and i love a double entendre um so yeah absolute shout out to um tegan stepmum stepmum absolute shout out to Tegan's stepmum for being a legend and stabbing her stepdaughter every night uh, during her treatment toby what about you what are your afterthoughts on today's episode
0: I, well i want to i want to like i want i want to look a little bit at uh, teenage kick section that, that mm. got me and I mean there was the the shout out for Lobka and like uh, we, yeah. we talked about that of uh, so Lobka uh, is an incredible uh, maker of masks and designs them and it's just this like beautiful thing and if if our listeners don't follow Lobka on Twitter uh, I'd like definitely do that and see the marvellous work mm-hmm. what that means to young people and um, but with it, in TH Kicks, it was about the midlife crisis. Yeah. Crises, crises. Um, isn't that that Oh, isn't that, that is like, is something I've thought about before. It's like, oh yeah, like it does, it, it prompts those thoughts quite early on in, in mm-hmm. your life because of the, the time in your life that you experience and you learn about your mortality. And I think there was something in there that Tegan was talking about timelines and about that you're mm. having to relearn uh, like to be positive about uh, the future and things because like you kind mm. of you kind of try to not think about the future because you're worried about the future and right. cancer like treatment not going well or it coming back and so you focus on this short timeline and i just thought there was something really powerful in there about going about learning long timelines and how how like, can how can you do that after treatment and it f- falls in as well to Tegan's talk about lost conversations I mean it all comes together of like the gaps of learning like is that part of the um the patchwork that we've got to come up with about being able to uh, fly the parachute after uh, after treatment because uh, I really believe that that learning about timelines. I'm still stro- I still really struggle to plan the, the future. Same. And I think that that's definitely down to uh, the cancer experience. And hundred so, so, mm,
1: percent. I had a conversation with my dad about pensions at the weekend, and I said to him, I was like, well, well, Dad, I've only just come around to the fact that I might live beyond the age of forty. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, you're right. You just dropped your cancer card there." And I was like, "Well, you know, like, you have to. It is, it is an adjustment." And I don't have a pension because for a long time I wasn't, I wasn't sure. You know, I got diagnosed with cancer at 26, and yeah, you, yeah. you got diagnosed with cancer at 18, and and 21. You know, it it, it takes an adjustment, and planning for the future is a big deal
0: mm. when
1: you've when you've been through that. And I think. Um, People don't necessarily understand that unless you've been in in the in the trenches.
0: But can I offer just uh, to uh, pull another bit of Tegan's uh, energy to it as well? Is that maybe we should also offer that really positive thing of going? That, I'm uh, the flowers. Well, I was going like we've got we've got those, but also the fact that uh, Alice, do you now have a pension?
1: Um, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. Are you going to
0: get one, uh, Alice? Do you got one? Uh, do last last month I think was the first time I've paid <laughs> into a pension. Toby and I looked I looked into. It, I was like, oh, I'll get this when I'm sixty-five. I was like, oh, 65. I was like, that's not something I've thought about. Oh, I'm really proud of you. Thank you so much. And I think that that Tegan that Tegan energy as is, uh, is that's a really nice way to go. Uh, any of our listeners who who don't have pensions. <laughs> you
1: know it's important to add on. that's
0: fine that's all good but also if you want to uh think about it at some point you can open up the 65 year old thoughts
1: <laughs> but it's important to add that we're both freelancers as well and pensions are hard oh. um but yeah i do think you know um Taking a step to thinking about the future is a brave thing to do when you've had cancer. And if you want to take some Tegan energy, if you want to take some Toby and Alice future-looking energy from today's episode, then maybe you can. Uh, If you're not ready for it yet, don't worry about it. You might be ready soon.
0: Let's. Shall we end with uh, the audio description of uh, the Tegan pose?
1: Yeah. Two-piece signs, head slightly to the side. Head to the side.
0: If today's episode of Afterthoughts has brought up any thoughts or feelings that you'd like to speak to someone about, we really recommend grabbing a cuppa with a friend or dropping them a message. There are tons of charities out there who can help you if you've been through cancer and need a bit of extra psychological support.
1: Thanks so much to Teenage Cancer Trust for supporting Afterthoughts. The teenagers and supporting teens and young adults diagnosed with cancer in the UK. The work they do is incredible. Find out more at teenagecancertrust.org.
0: Afterthoughts is produced by Alice May Perkis and Toby Peach from Beyond Arts, with sound design from Dinah Mullen and Kieran Lucas.